This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Twitter has confirmed that they intend to charge new users $1 per year to post tweets. Essentially, it's a subscription plan. The platform has already begun to beta test this new idea in New Zealand and the Philippines. Mark Aflalo has some thoughts on Twitter slash X's new initiative. And Mark, of course, is the co-host of Access Tech Live, which you can find on AMI-tv in about an hour and 40 minutes. Say good morning, Mark. Good morning, Dave. How are we doing? Mark, I'm doing well. I think just as a jumping off point here, broadly speaking, what do you think of this idea of charging new users a dollar for year for the privilege of posting on the platform? You know, I it, we're going to get into the meat of this and, and the reason that I think exists for this being, which is, you know, to combat a lot of the spam and and the bots and the fake accounts that have been on, on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it this week. Um, I, I think the idea of adding a subscription price to anything, whether it's a quarter, a dollar, $20, after people have been used to not paying for something is definitely not the best idea in the world. Yeah. And right now this company is suffering a really big uphill battle when it comes to public relations. There's a lot of issues ever since Elon Musk bought the platform that were just brought to light that didn't even need to come to the you know light of day and people finding out a lot of things about how it was run, et cetera, et cetera. I think that if Elon had never made a bid or met it, you know, even pretended to want to buy the company, we'd be in a very different situation right now. Yeah. We wouldn't even know about half the half the crap that was going on in that company. I, so so adding a charge to anything, you know, I understand increasing a price on something, okay, it makes sense sometimes, inflation, et cetera, et cetera. But adding something to something that wasn't that was free in the first place seems it seems kind of sketchy to me. Again, really important to clarify, the part of this beta testing plan is a dollar per year for new users, not existing users. But, but but obviously, you know, in time, they can do whatever they want policy-wise. And this is sort of like putting out these trial balloons. Oh, let's see what people will pay. They, they did it with the notion of paying for your blue checkmark uh, last year, which I guess was met with uh, mixed-ish results. So it speaks kind of over and over again to both the, ba- both the battle to try and weed out spam and bots off the platform but also to like make some money you know elon elon uh, bought this company at sort of uh the precipice of the cliff of recession that we've been slowly wandering down elon yeah. wants to make this thing profitable and his thing and his big idea since day one is we got to get the bots off here and i'm not sure he's got a great prospect on either of those fronts no, I mean, it's hard because the bots and the hacker communities and the the programmers and developers out there are really good at what they do. So they're able to make accounts and these bots and these services that allow you to buy Twitter followers um, seem really real. So the, you know, the idea of adding a, a cost to add new users is interesting because it's kind of like those those CAPTCHA little, you know, security things to make sure that you're a human being when you're filling out your email address and password, <laughs> except it's taking it a, to a whole new level where 
put your money where your mouth is, even though it's a dollar, right? It's giving out that credit card information. It's going into your wallet. Only a human can go do that. You know, only a human can go put their money where their mouth is and say, okay, yeah, so it's a dollar. You know, I think anybody really is going to say whatever, it's a dollar if they really want to join the platform. That being said, if you're spawning up accounts in the hundreds or the thousands because someone just bought Twitter followers and you need to actually fulfill on those those promises, Uh then it's going to add a little bit of a barrier and help stop those new bots from at least getting onto the platform. Combating the existing ones, good luck with that. But at least this does show, and I think will show when we see the data, if we do see the data, that it does do a pretty good job at stopping those automated signups. Any kind of barrier to entry is going, you're right, going to stop that. But a barrier to entry is a barrier to entry is a barrier to entry. And uh, I'm quickly realizing that I'm becoming an old man, like it's happening really fast. Like I, it's happening faster than I can imagine how fast it is. But I'm, I'm mature enough to know that if you want your social media platform to become popular, it starts with the young people. Facebook started with college students. Instagram started with high school and college students. TikTok started with high school students. Even to a certain degree, Twitter started with young people, tech heads and young people. I just think about barrier to entry. Maybe $1 doesn't seem as daunting for you or me, but a young person might not have that credit card. They got to come knock on mom or dad's door to be like, hey, I need the credit card to open a Twitter account. And mom and dad might not be super cool with that. Yeah, no, you know, you make a real good point. Is that you know, uh, us old geezers over here, um, us old we, guys, uh, we're cre- <laughs> we become creatures of habit, right, Dave? So, to to sign up for a new platform, we're going to be like, why why are we even doing this anymore? Like, we almost realize, okay, I'm not going to waste half my life that I've already wasted on these social media platforms. So, am I going to really pony up to continue that, or can I just maybe just write it off? Um, but you know, if I look at that younger generation, because I have kids, thankfully I can do that. Otherwise we'd be useless here. (laughs) Um, Twitter, you know, X or Twitter, it's not even, it's not even on their radar. It's completely off their radar entirely. Yeah. All they care about is TikTok. All they care about is maybe sometimes Snapchat just as a means of communication. They're not even texting. They're really, those are the two platforms that are on Facebook, Meta, Maybe they need an account because they've just got a quest and they need to sign up for it and they force you to have a meta account to get onto that, but they're not signing up for Facebook for any other reason, you know? So really there's a real big uphill battle going on right now over at X. And I don't really think that they're necessarily going to get over that hump in terms of profitability. I, I don't know. This is, I mean, they've never done a really good job at securing the ad revenue like Google and Microsoft and yeah. and Facebook did in the first place. So to try and not only keep subscribers, get new ones, build that database of, of analytics for, for advertising and make money. I don't know. This might yeah. be a loss on that line in Elon Musk's uh, personal <laughs> statement. Uh, Mark, this question is probably bigger than your pay grade or my pay grade, but I think it's a valuable, interesting question to at least explore a little bit because there has obviously been this huge pivot from the business community towards social media in the last 15 years. That's where the people are. Let's go spend a lot of time and effort building up our social media presence. 
But Mark, I'm starting to wonder if there's actually value in the social media space for a business or an organization in, term, in terms of like an actual uh, uh, cost-benefit analysis, the amount of time you might have to put in developing strategy and making content and doing the posts and actually engaging with the people who engage with you yeah. in a meaningful way, it takes a lot of time. And I'm not sure that social media broadly still provides that perceived value that it did maybe even a decade ago. I think it's a, it's a numbers game at the end of the day. If you think about a time before social media, people were spending their money on creating ads for newspapers, creating ads for magazines, creating ads for TV or radio, right? Lots of money spent on creating the ad creative there. Probably more so for one campaign than the cost it would cost you today to hire one person to create that content on an ongoing fair, basis. Fair. Then, you know, think about the fact that when you're spending your advertising money, if it's on social media, if it's on online ads, it's way more targeted. So you're not just throwing $100,000 at a TV ad and hoping that people come and click and buy your stuff. You're throwing maybe less money or, or more targeted money at a specific demographic, because you can now do that, and you can instantly measure whether or not you're getting results on that because it's all digital now. Mm, so you can know that, mm. okay, I spent $1,000 on targeting men who are 18 to 24 years old. Well, you can see who's buying, who's clicking, and what are they doing. So um, the dollar is going, I think, longer. You're able to stretch less money a lot farther because you can really target the people that you want to target. And I think that's where social media and, and online advertising definitely has a, an advantage over anything that you can't measure. Ooh. The second you can measure results, you're, you're definitely spending money in the right places. Mark, you did something there that I love because you changed sort of the scope of the question that I was asking because I asked the question so openly that I almost asked it badly, but that's a great answer to that question. I was just thinking about people who are companies, organizations who are just making a multitude of posts on social media. I didn't yeah. even factor in the idea of sort of promoting that post or the advertising side of that post. That's a good job by you right there, flipping the scope on me. Well done by you i'm just trying to answer the questions and give you the perspective here that's what i do <laughs> <laughs> turns out that wasn't above your pay grade you nailed it so that means you got nice. to promote your television show that comes up in about Thanks. an hour and 31 minutes <laughs> what's coming up later today on access tech live we are so um, excited to welcome Dave Dame, the head of product accessibility over at Microsoft. He's a gentleman who I've been following his career for a very long time. He uh, shares his journey with cerebral palsy all the time online, a marathon runner, scuba diver, um, an incredible person um, who really, really feels that at the end of the day, we need to change the landscape of the tools we use to make sure the disabilities are really not a factor in anything that anybody does. So we're really excited to have him on. I wish we had like four hours to talk to mm. him, but we're gonna cram him into that one hour today. Wow, yeah, Microsoft does a lot of really interesting, innovative work in the space and uh, definitely a really cool opportunity to have that conversation with uh, you and Steven Scott. Mark, thank you for this, have a great show. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Dave. That's Mark Flalo. Mark is in Montreal and getting ready to co-host Access Tech Live, which you can find at noon Eastern time on AMI-tv. You can find The Pulse on AMI-audio on the weekend. This weekend, Judah Gupta will chat with Max Bro about a number of recent initiatives designed to promote employment among people with disabilities. That's The Pulse weekends at 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. And of course, you can find that show on demand on all major podcast platforms, including... 
YouTube. Coming up next, the movie Beetlejuice is celebrating its 35th anniversary this year. Michael McNeely will review the Tim Burton classic. But first, here is the Parasport update with Greg Westlake. Hello, welcome back to the Parasport update. I'm Greg Westlake. Under the bright lights of the French capital, Canada's wheelchair rugby team took to Paris for the 2023 International Wheelchair Rugby Cup. The action kicked off against the reigning world champions, Australia. In a tightly contested match, Canada won 49-48. to The victory began a series of back-to-back -back wins, defeating Denmark and Britain. Topping the group, Canada drew France in the semi-finals. In a nail-biter, Canada edged their opponents 51-50, setting up a gold medal showdown against Australia. In the final, Canada would fall 53-48, seizing the silver. The Canadians now turn their attention to Santiago and the Parapan Am Games, as that will be an opportunity to book their ticket to the Paralympics next summer. Jetting across the English Channel, we arrive in Scotland at the 2023 Stirling Wheelchair Curling International. With two teams entered, Canada had double the chance to bring home the hardware. In the blue pool, Canada 1 finished round robin in second, while Canada 2 won the red pool. In the playoffs, the two Canadian squads would face off in the semi-finals, with Canada 2 claiming victory 7-4. In the bronze final, Canada 1 beat USA 2 by a score of 9-3, while in the gold final, Canada 2 lost 5-4 to USA 1. That's our time for this edition of the Parasport Update, presented by AMI-audio. Check back next week for more news from the world of adaptive sports. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.